and the combined experience of more than 70 years, it's Brian Osborne, Tim Cathy, and Eric Hoven. It's time for Ask Me Anything. Game face. This is for real. Uh, all right. Okay. Speed answers. So you really ready now, guys? No, but go ahead. Too much okay. pressure. It's hard to be the dumbest one on this panel and you know try to do it, try to do a quiz with these guys. Okay. That's that's why I always like doing shows with Eric because then I, I never feel that way. All right, guys. First question: What is the shortest book in the New Testament? Jude. Jude. Second John. Tim is correct. Second John. Uh, uh, he stopped and paused and thought about it. Yeah, but he was right. <laughs> okay. Who asked Pilate for Jesus' body after the crucifixion? Joseph. Joseph. Arimathea. Yeah. I think Arimathea. Brian might have started that one first, but I you all got did. it right. Yeah. <laughs> Question number three. What tribe is Paul from? Benjamin. Correct. Oh, man, look at Tim go. Question okay. number four. What is the 15th book of the Bible? Oh, good heavens. Wait, hold on. Let me get a Bible. Esther? Who knows the song? Ezra. I, I can't remember the song. Ezra, that's correct, Tim. That's Ezra. Tim's killing it. Which one of you is the tallest? Me. Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I said it first. You did say it first. Which high priest of Jerusalem put Jesus on trial? Caiaphas. Correct. Y'all, Brian, Eric, come on, y'all. What type of insect did John the Baptist eat in the desert? Locust. Locust. Ooh, Eric might have got that one. Go, Eric. What was the second plague in Egypt? Blood. Well, no, no, no. That was the frog. Yeah, frogs. In what city was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Wow, I was so slow. Holy cow. I was, I was waiting for that. Oh, to did you guys not? I was so overthinking it. I'm like, wait. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, little town of... Yeah. <laughs> What's that word? <laughs> Jerusalem? I don't know. <laughs> Which one of you mm. is the youngest? Ooh. Brian? <laughs> I know who it's not. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's Eric. I think it's Eric too, just by like a year. What, Brian? I'm I'm younger than you. I'm I'm 44. Wow, I'm the youngest. Wow. <laughs> and I got Brian. That. You look so young, man. How do you do that? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's that it's that stress-free <laughs> life of travel and oh, yeah. yeah, leisure. Who murdered John the Baptist? Herod. 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 What is the longest name in the Bible? Mahershala Hashbaz. Mahershala Hashbaz. And who was his dad? Who was his dad? Is that really Laura? It's not Zephaniah Panea? That's got to be longer. No, I think Mahershala Hashbaz is longer. That's Isaiah's kid. Who was the first king of Israel? Saul. Saul. Brian beat him. What did God create on day five of creation? Birds, and uh, sea fish. creatures, and flying creatures. Yeah, Actually, I think Eric started it first, but yeah. No, he did not. <laughs> he did absolutely did. No I way. I don't think I finished I think it before he even started. I don't think it's Tim's internet connection. I think it's his internal connection that's having a problem. <laughs> oh my! I think somebody's paying off the judge there. <laughs>
my goodness, what fun. Today is Ask Me Anything. The questions you guys sent in are actually all over the place, and this should be a blast. My name is Eric Hovind. I'm the president of Creation Today, and we love putting together information that helps you clarify the truth about science and scripture. So we're going to have a good time here today. Hey, got a giveaway I want to do for you guys. I'm excited about this. Brian is not able to be with me live. Uh, he is doing his penance by sending out a few copies of his book, Quick Answers, to tough questions to some of you today. Uh, it really is a great resource. Uh, he answers all kinds of questions. Why didn't God make the world perfect? Six days, why? Really? How old is the earth? Carbon dating, uh, death before sin. Why is there death and suffering? So just a great little book uh, by Brian who is traveling today and couldn't be with us. So that means Tim and I get to make fun of him all hour long. Hey, if you want a copy of this book, all you got to do is type in the comments, I want that book. If you put it in all caps, it might help you. And while you're commenting, tell us where you are from. We love reading the comments. We love seeing uh, people around the world tune in to these conversations. And we'll actually pick several people and give away several of these books in just a few minutes. Hey, to all my Creation Today partners out there, I see you guys uh, joining me here. We just want to say thank you again for seeing the big picture. Craig, shout out to you. You are in California. So Craig from California. Candy, how are you doing from Kansas? I can't believe there are so many people that are um, have this alliteration. Melissa from Minnesota. So glad you are a Creation Today partner. And we just want to say Thank you for seeing that big picture. Hey, for those of you that aren't yet partners, you may not know Creation Today is a nonprofit, and we actually operate on partnerships with people just like you to take the truth of science and the truth of Scripture around the world through my traveling and speaking, through the many websites that we have, and through our network with other creation organizations. So to thank our partners, we actually created the Creation Today Plus platform on our website at creationtoday.org. And it gives them access and opportunity to interact with experts and ask their own questions live. And while you get to join us for the first half of the conversations, we love the second half where we don't have to censor what we say as much because YouTube and Facebook can't hear us. So we really do enjoy that. By the way, many of our show topics actually come from viewers like you. So if you have an idea for a topic or a guest that you want us to have, feel free to leave us a comment in the chat or uh, send me an email, erichovind at creationtoday.org. I am really excited though. Today's guests, both Brian Osborne via video uh, and Tim Chafee work. Okay, well actually work is a really strong word, but they are employed at Answers in Genesis. Uh, Answers in Genesis is a premier creation ministry. It's the premier creation organization in the world. And with their Creation Museum and their Ark Encounter being two of the best uh, Christian attraction sites in America, both of these guys have a passion for God and for truth and for, and for basketball. 
Uh, now, Brian did have to be on the road this week, uh, and so we had to catch up with him a few days ago and get his answers to some of your questions that you've already asked. Tim, however, is joining me live because he is not a loser. Tim, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, Eric, good to see you. Um, good to be with you again. I always love hanging out with Tim. However, Amanda, my administrative assistant over here, Tim is her favorite. So I don't stand a chance when you're on here with me at, at being the star of the show. So, Well, uh, just for the record, Amanda's my favorite at creation today, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tim, you have no idea how hard it was not to give into temptation on Monday this week. Kent was editing the video of the game show and the intro, and I almost asked him to just simply delete all of your right answers because you had so many in a row there and make Brian and I look mm, really, really good and leave you with a big old goose egg. I thought that Yeah, you already fun. did that with a couple of the questions where it was clear that my connection froze up like the last one. That's why I reacted the way I did because I, I answered it before you, either of you guys ever opened your mouth and then you guys I, were like, oh, that was I What? You know what? We'll have to go back and look at the replay, and we'll just have to see if any did. of I, your I arguments I, you can you see throw in. Thing you, up and... You're wanting, to, you're wanting to to just go to the replay booth, and okay, we'll we'll have to check that out another time. All right? Yeah, it was very clearly that one and another one. <laughs> Kent, oh, I think you said already you sent a few of them. So. Kent said you sent him a Chick Fil A gift card. <laughs> you cheater! You're the one cheating here. <laughs> I, I gave him a Chick Fil A gift card like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, Tim, we got a bunch of questions from people, and I want to get to as many as we possibly can, so I want to jump in. Some of these questions um, we will all answer, and then some I'll just have like one of us answer. I got several uh, answers from Brian earlier. Question number one, this is for everybody. It's kind of a get-to-know-you question. Uh, Someone asked, what do you do in your downtime? Like, what's your hobby? What What do you like to do? Tim, you go first. I don't know what downtime is. <laughs> um, yeah, so hobbies, I, I do a lot of walking and hiking. Uh, I try to do at least a, an hour every night. Um, and if I get to go hiking, then it's an hour and a half, two hours. Um, and then the other thing I do is I, I write. I'm a, I write during the day and research. And then if I have time, I'm at home, I'm writing as well. Uh, writing sounds like uh, the 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 most painful thing in the world to me. I know I need to do more of it, but wow, watching what you do and watching all your content come out is amazing. Here's what Brian said when we asked him. That's changed so much over the years. You know, back in the day, I'd probably play a lot of basketball and I, you know, I'd play uh, different uh, sports growing up and uh, working out and stuff like that. But now I've got two kids, one seven, one is three. And my hobbies are just my family basically when i'm home i'm with my kids i'm with my wife i'm with my i'm playing basketball with ian i'm, I'm playing with macy we're dancing in the kitchen we are doing whatever you know and what and actually ian just had his first basketball game a couple of weeks ago which was awesome oh my good heavens it was so much fun to watch and so i mean i just i find so much joy in being with them and uh, and just doing what they love to do whether it's playing outside jumping on trampoline or whatever so i mean really my hobby is them you know christ is my first love and then uh, my hobby my second love is going to be uh, my family my kids eric i just thought of a new idea a new a new thing for my downtime i'm going to volunteer to ref in his son's leagues and i'm going to throw brian (laughs) (laughs) just trash him huh (laughs) that's awesome 
Uh, well, for me, uh, I kind of don't know what downtime is either. When I, when I'm, if I'm not doing something, it bothers me. Uh, I'm thankful we've got some lifelong friends uh, that we have gone camping with uh, several times a year for. Wow, like 12 years now. So uh, we enjoy camping. I'm right here by the beach, by Pensacola Beach. So a couple times a year, I'll get out to the beach. And then for me, motorcycle riding. Oh, I love, love, love getting out on motorcycles, street bikes or dirt bikes. And uh, if, you, if you enjoy that, then you're allowed to be my friend on Instagram, okay? If you enjoy any of that, you come jump on there and we'll, uh, we'll enjoy the, the motorcycling and the, the camping and the, uh, the beach life together. All right. That's, that's what I get to do. Uh, but actually uh, my brain constantly goes on how do we reach more people? How do we share the gospel? How do we reach more people? How do we share the gospel? And it's kind of, even when I'm at the beach or riding motorcycles, that's kind of what's going through my mind is how do I reach more people? So it just doesn't ever stop. All right. I want to get to uh, a serious question here. Uh, I N U K. Tim, how would you say that name? In Inuk. Inuk. Yeah. Inuk yeah, asks. Inuk or, or maybe they're just Inuk. saying they're in the UK. In UK could be from the UK. <laughs> when did you get started in creation ministry? I asked Brian that question. Here's what he said. Long story short, God. And I don't mean that in a trite way, but uh, truly, I, I was in college. I was going going down a path of physical therapy, athletics, something along those lines. And, and God just really got a hold of me and really just changed my life in a radical way and gave me a passion for him and his word. And, and honestly, when he just came into my life in such a powerful way and gave me that passion, my passion really was if I could teach the Bible and get paid for it, that'd be awesome because I, I love the Bible. I love studying it because it's my avenue to know God and to make him known. And so that was just my heartbeat. And when God first gave me that passion, I did not know what that would look like in my life. I mean, I had no clue. And uh, it's been amazing to watch because as I kind of followed him in this journey and followed him with that passion he's gave me for his word and biblical authority, trusting that foundation, building my thinking from there, encouraging others to do the same. He's opened up so many unique opportunities for me to teach the Bible and get paid for it. So, I mean, I taught Bible history for 13 years in a public school, which was absolutely amazing. Right. And got to do that. And then after that, joined this ministry, Answers of Genesis, and I've been able to go around the world and to teach people to stand on God's word, to defend their faith, to proclaim the gospel. And so it was really just God just coming into my life, uh, changing me and me getting a passion for him and his word and desire to share that. And he, him just opening doors throughout my life to give me just a way to do this in such a unique fashion. He's been very gracious to me, knowing I needed those unique avenues. And it's been amazing just to watch him work. And uh, I just give him all the glory for it. You know, for me growing up, my mom and dad were always in full-time ministry. And it was at 18 that I wondered if what I had been taught was actually true. And through my own journey to know God, I realized there's nothing more important than living my life for the glory of God. And that's when I decided to kind of continue in full-time ministry, what my dad had done, and just teach apologetics and teach people, give people an understanding for who God is and what the big picture is in life. Your job is to glorify God. That is it. And um, I'm, I feel blessed to be able to do this full-time. And everywhere I go and everything I do and everything I think about is ministry dedicated to giving my life to the glory of God. All right. So are you asking me how I got Yeah, started? I want to ask you too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't hear a question there. It's just, <laughs> um, yeah, it really started uh, the late nineties. Um, I had for about in the mid nineties, I got pretty serious about my faith. I had already gone to a couple of years of Bible college, but um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And uh, I'll try to keep this really short. Um, I started studying everything I could um, on different 
a different topic in scripture uh, for a couple of years. And then one day on the way home from the gym, I heard this Australian guy uh, talking about dinosaurs. And I always liked the Australian accent. I've always loved dinosaurs. And I thought, well, let me hear what this guy has to say. And I uh, found it very interesting. Uh, ordered the, the book, The Great Dinosaur Mystery Solved, which is what he was talking about. And um, uh, took off from there and started reading everything I could get my hands on uh, from uh, creationists, from young earth creationists. And uh, I'd, I'd never believed in the billions of years. I mean, even in seventh grade, I remember science class, how old is the earth? And I went to public school. I remember writing the book that's 4.6 billion years old. I believe it's about 6,000. And to his credit, the teacher didn't mark it wrong, but I never would have been able to defend it uh, very well at that time. And really not until I started in the late 90s, really diving in. But now you are pretty engrossed in it. Yeah, I think you could probably say that. Um, if, if you guys don't know, Tim is the one who is the content manager for the signs. Anything that's written in the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum, that has gone through Tim's department. And so not to mention the numerous books and articles that he's written. So he's, he's pretty engrossed in it. Hey, I got a question for you, Tim. This one uh, came in. Amanda asked, since the Bible mentions the book of Jasher in Joshua 10, 13, and in 2 Samuel 1, 16, why is it not included in the canon? So what's the truth about the book of Jasher? And it is mentioned here in the Bible. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, so, well, first of all, just because the Bible quotes from something does not mean that that something should be included in Scripture. Uh, so uh, Jude quotes from the book of Enoch, Jude 14 and 15 quotes from first Enoch, and he alludes to Enoch at least two other times. Um, so he was familiar with it. His readers were familiar with it. But it doesn't mean that that book belongs to Scripture. Paul quotes from pagan poets. It doesn't mean that we should suddenly bring these pagan poets and say that these are canonical. It's just that um, what they're quoting is useful for them at the time. Just like if a pastor today is going to um, quote somebody in our culture, it doesn't mean that that person therefore should then be um, you know, held up as being a, the proper model of Christianity because that might not be why they're being quoted. So um, yeah, just if the Bible refers to something, it doesn't mean that that's something is canonical. Uh, and we don't even have the book of Jasher. I know people are, are thinking, no, 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 I can go on Amazon and order it. You can order a book of Jasher that is probably an 18th century forgery. It's something that was made up in the last couple hundred years. Um, it is not the book that was referred to in Joshua and 2 Samuel. Um, it would be really cool if we had that because it would be neat to have some extra information. But um, we, that, you know, God has chosen not to preserve that for us at this point. You know, maybe it'll, maybe it'll be among some of those scrolls that are continually being found near the Dead Sea. <laughs> Certainly interesting, and I, I think most people don't know that the modern-day Book of Jasher is a forgery. Can you tell them why it has to do with, uh, it mentions things that hadn't even happened when the Book of Jasher would have been written that it wouldn't have known about, so that's one yeah, of the Yeah, I, th I think that's one of the issues. I think the there's, there's a, I think it's with the Book of Jasher where there, there's a possibility that there was a, a Hebrew version of it in the 900s or 1000s, sometime around there, AD. Um, so that maybe somebody else tried to do a forgery at that time. Um, but in terms of the, the style of writing and those sort of what they call orthography, all of that, they, they are able to tell if something is written at a certain time. And um, it, okay. yeah, we have is not the, the book of Jasher referred to in scripture. It's similar to um, maybe not the exact same thing, but I wrote a, a Noah, you know, historical fiction of Noah 
um, three books that we use at the Ark Encounter. It's kind of like the official backstory for Noah and his family there. It doesn't mean that those things should be included in scripture <laughs> or anything, just because they can give us more details about Noah. So it's like the person, you know, the modern, somewhat modern person, whoever did that forgery, giving us the so-called Book of Jasher. Um, it doesn't mean that that should be included. Very cool. Hey, next question. I had several questions come in and have had several questions come in about kind of me personally and my family. And Trez asked a question that I thought, you know what, I'll answer this because he relates it to his family. And I think I got some some things that I think would be uh, encouraging to you if you're in these circumstances. Here's what Trez says. He says, Eric, I've kept up with you and your dad for years. I respect you a lot for sticking with your mom through tough times. I know how difficult it is to have your family in the spotlight. And then he shares his father was a local six and 11 o'clock anchor on the nightly news and got arrested. It was a huge public mess. His family got all messed up because of the fallout. And his question was this, what's the proper attitude to have towards vengeful family members? He said, I've ignored them completely, but that in itself causes a lot of unrest with other family members. It's just a big mess. And uh, if you don't know, I, our family, my family has certainly been through uh, a, a big mess. Uh, something that we never, never thought, <laughs> never thought we'd be the Jerry Springer family, okay? And then here we are. Here's some things to keep in mind. Um, number one, God calls us to love everyone. And that means everyone. God goes so far as to say, you're supposed to love your enemies. So if you're supposed to love your enemies... How much more are you supposed to love your own family? So number one, you're supposed to love above all. And so with that in mind, I asked myself the question, what's the most loving thing that I can do in this difficult situation? And so I find myself trying to filter my actions and what I do through that question first. God calls me to love What's the most loving thing I can do in this situation? Now, I also want to be wise, and in order to be wise, I have to speak truth. So I want to be truthful, but I want to do that in love. And so there's nothing wrong with, with proclaiming the truth in love. Now, who do you need to proclaim that to? <laughs> who all do you need to talk to about that? Because the Bible also says, honor your father and your mother. Uh, for example, in my situation, the best way I can honor my father is to take care of my mother, and be absolutely silent in the court of public opinion. And I got to tell you, I am incredibly thankful for the godly counsel that I've received throughout, uh, man, the last 15 years of my life, uh, specifically the last five to six years of my life. The godly counsel I continue to receive from, from amazing men is love through silence. Take anything that comes at you and don't respond. Let the public think whatever they want and be quiet. So um, I've decided to just live the life God created me to live. And I think you should decide to live the life that God created you to live and be in your lane. You are not responsible for other people's actions or reactions. You are responsible to God for yours. And then I just have one more thought for you, and that's that Solomon said, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So let's be life to other people. Sometimes the best life you can be is to keep your tongue silent because it wants to say all kinds of, of, of 
It wants to send out all kinds of darts. It wants to be death. And life and death are in the power of the tongue. So a lot of times, it's incredibly wise to just be quiet. Hey, another question that came in was from Sarah. Uh, Do you think the canopy theory is accurate? If not, what really happened? I thought this was a great question because I was raised on the canopy theory. And I actually asked this one to Brian, wanted him to weigh on this. So Brian, take it away. Canopy theory, for those who aren't familiar, is a very popular theory, really starting, uh, well, 80s-ish, 70s, 80s, really popular for a long time, even into the 90s. Uh, and it was the idea there's a canopy of water around the earth, either ice, water, or vapor that blocked out a lot of the harm, harmful UV light and helped things to grow bigger, compress oxygen, help things to get uh, live longer, et cetera, et cetera. And it was used to try to explain kind of the, uh, the pre-flood uh, world where things lived a lot longer, things grew bigger. Uh, and it seemed like a good idea when I first kind of was introduced to creation apologetics. I kind of clung to that as well. So it made sense to me. But as we studied it out and really thought more about the issue biblically, it just really doesn't work when you really break it down. And what I mean is, first of all, scientifically, you've got a problem with the canopy theory because any canopy you put around the earth, no matter if it's water, vapor, ice, no matter how thick it is, you'll end up getting a runaway heat effect uh, on the earth. We're talking to uh, temperatures averaging over 100 degrees up to 200 degrees on average, actually. And so it's really hot. That would actually kill life, be bad for the earth on multiple levels. So that's hard to get around. Some scientists, some creation scientists are trying to get around that. Maybe they'll figure it out. I don't know. That's kind of hard to get around. But the biblical issues are the bigger problem. And that is when you go to the book of Genesis and we read about the account where God separated the waters from above from the waters below. And it was assumed in the canopy theory that the waters above were indeed that canopy, right? Above the Earth's atmosphere. And you got the atmosphere in between the waters above and the waters below. But then you go to day four and it says that God put the sun, moon and stars in the expanse. Now, the expanse is in between the waters above and below. So if God put the sun, moon, and stars in the expanse, and there's a canopy, and that's talking about a canopy, he literally put the sun in our atmosphere, which will be physically impossible, right? And so what seems to be implied here, you can't be dogmatic about this, but the waters above go out into the out into space, out into the universe. Maybe they're the actual edge of the universe. Cannot be dogmatic about that. That's not uh, directly from scripture, but the waters above are definitely beyond our atmosphere and the sun, the moon and stars dwell in the atmosphere between the waters. And so for those reasons and others, we would say canopy model is not a good model uh, anymore. And that's okay. That should not freak us out. Uh, we as Christians, and a lot of times we talk to creationists, uh, sometimes we tend to hold to models of the canopy theory. And I would suggest, here's what we do. We hold our models on how we think God may have done it. We hold those models like this, open hand. We hold God's word like this. God's word is true. God's word never changes. But how we understand that, how we interpret that in different cases, you can sometimes hold those like this. But God's word never changes. But models can change. And that's okay. That's science. Since uh, Brian's not here to defend himself, Tim, do you want to correct him in any way? No, I, I think he summarized it really well. Um, it's it's something that is not demanded by the text. That's the way I look at it. Uh, I, I think it's a plausible interpretation of the waters above with the waters beneath to, to think of it in that context. Um, so you could uh, you could imagine, you know, if the Bible is being written from the, a, a perspective of a person on earth, that they look up, you know, the sun, moon, and stars are in that expanse. It, so I could see how that's within the realm of possibility of how to interpret that passage, but it, it certainly doesn't isn't it doesn't demand to be interpreted that way because, like Brian said, the sun and stars are in the expanse, and uh, therefore the waters should be out beyond that expanse. Uh, that that makes more sense to me than it can't be around the earth. 
Um, so the question I have, though, that keeps coming to my mind is because I, I get it. It doesn't make sense scientifically. We can't back it up right now. Um, and so I'm OK with that. I'll do what Brian said here and I'll, I'll hold that loosely. I'm still wondering, like, how, and we can't answer this right now, but we'll have to get to this maybe in the second half of the show when we have more time. Like, how do we explain the large insects, the large animals, the large, but I know we don't have time for that right now. So I want to talk about that with you at some point, okay? How do we explain all that stuff? Yeah, uh, how do we explain large? Tim being almost seven feet tall? Yeah, how do you explain that, Tim? What's up with that? Um, hey, I did, I did, uh, we got this question that came in. I have a feeling it was one of the ladies right over there that asked this, just to, just to find out how useless we are. Uh, what is our most useless talent? So I asked Brian this, he stole mine and then blamed it on me. Here's what he said. Actually, Ken, it's connection with you, Eric, because I, you taught me how to shoot a rubber band with high velocity and precision. And I'm a little OCD at times anyway, so I practiced that. I got really good at that. And, uh, and so I can, I can shoot those foul rubber bands a long distance very accurately. I shot a stink bug off the wall. I shot an apple somebody's head. I mean, it, no one needs that ability, but it's just fun. And so that's probably my most useless talent. It is an awesome talent. Tim, do you have any useless talents? Well, I can also shoot rubber bands well, thanks to you. Um, I don't practice as much as Brian because I've got, actually, I have things to do. <laughs> I don't Brian, just sit what do you around have to say about that? Nothing between trips where I get to travel all over the place. Um, <laughs> he's not here. To do, I hope he hears that. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, can, I got a couple, a lot of useless things. I mean, I can touch the tip of my tongue with my, or tip of my nose with my tongue. Whoa. Like that. Wow. I cannot. Um, I won't even really try to show you. Popping sound like this. Whoa. I don't know how well that comes through on the computer, but it's pretty loud in here when I do that. So <laughs> Everybody's looking around the corner like, Tim, you okay? Oh, man. Well, all my talents are useful, uh, very useful. I don't have any useless talents. I can fold a fitted sheet. Take that. I can disappoint anyone. <laughs> Take that. Uh, I can videotape myself while riding a motorcycle. Uh, I can take a five-minute nap at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on the couch in my office no matter what the noise level, and I wake up refreshed, ready to go, and I can always, 100% of the time. you're not kidding about time, that either. Eric, always, he always takes naps. In <laughs> I, I love my five-minute power naps, man. Don't ever take those away from me. I'd, I'd be dead. And I can, this is a good one. This is a good one. This is a talent. I can always, and I mean always, 100% of the time, I can put my t-shirt on backwards in the dark. If I put a t-shirt on, it will always be backwards. If I think it's going to be backwards and I spin it around and put it on, it's backwards. I like a hundred percent of the time. It's so frustrating. That is a pretty good skill. Yeah. So I just, I can't get around that. I, I haven't tried turning my body around instead of the shirt around at night. Maybe I should try that and see if that changes things. Hey, uh, Diana is uh, one of our Christian Today partners. We love you. She asked you a question, Tim. Hey, I'm reading the Truth Chronicles with my grandson. They are fantastic, and right. he really enjoys them too. He already had a friend interested. If you could time travel to a point after creation and prior to the flood, what geography would you want to see, and what questions would you want answered? So between creation and the flood, where would I want to travel to? Yeah. Well, we don't know what the geography was really like, so that's a little bit hard. Uh, we don't think there were vast, you know, deserts or high mountain ranges, impassable mountain ranges, anything like that, because God created the earth to be inhabited. So the world's probably going to be pretty nice wherever you go. I want to see dinosaurs, um, preferably from a safe distance. 
um, after the fall. <laughs> but I, yeah. yeah, I would I would definitely want to go somewhere where I've seen dinosaurs, and that's why the Truth Chronicles are written the way they are is because the kids wanted to see dinosaurs. <laughs> That's me living vicariously through my fictional characters. <laughs> Surely, though, you would want to visit Adam when he's like, you know, seven or eight hundred years old and be like, all right, share some wisdom with me, man. Uh, maybe slap him. Like, what were you thinking? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking that something later on, you know, closer to the time of flood, but the world was so wicked. I don't know that I'd really want to be around that. Um, That's what I was thinking. I was like, man, if, if God destroyed everybody, you know, because of the wickedness, it's like, uh, back it up a little. Put me a little earlier in history and where maybe it's not quite that bad yet. Um, yeah. Let me ask I'm one more question. I had, I had a lot of fun writing those. One yeah. more question before I have to kick Jake off. And by the way, yes, the Truth Chronicles are fantastic. You can see those at thecreationstore.org or... And, and there's three more that just came out. I don't know if she knows that yet. Seven, eight, nine just came out a couple months ago. So I'm just throwing that out. That's true. Yeah. Um, so one more question I want to hit before we uh, jump in the break. And Jake asked, where did the creator come from? And we get this a lot. And so I want you to think about these things when you hear this question. Oh, yeah, well, where did the creator come from? Or usually it's, where did God come from? And I want you to think about what is assumed when you're asking the question, where did God come from? Number one, the question assumes there is a God. That's good. Number two, the question assumes that God was created. That's bad. <laughs> so when you ask the question, where did God come from or where did the creator come from? You're not talking about the God of the Bible because the Bible describes the God who is not created. In Psalm chapter 90, Verse number two, it says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. It says he's not actually created. He is everlasting. And I think it's interesting when you think about this, the very properties of the universe, of the universe must come from an uncreated being. You think about the laws of logic, the laws of math, the laws of science, the laws of morality, they are all, all of those laws are eternal. They won't change. There will never be a time when the law of morality will change. And some people say, well, hang on just a second. You know, morality has changed. No, culture has changed. Morality has not changed. People's understanding has changed. Morality has not changed. It will never, ever be right to rape and murder a child for fun. Never. Never. The laws are eternal. And in order to have eternal laws, you have to start with an eternal God. So the very question, where did the creator come from? Uh, or where did God come from? Well, he's eternal. He didn't come from anywhere. He has always been. He's always existed. So just when you hear that, just understand the person asking that question has the wrong God to begin with. Okay, well, okay, I got to do one more here, even though I want to get oh, to like... Can I address more. that too? Can yeah, yeah. Them? Are you yeah, going to try so to fix what I said? I thought I did pretty good. Why didn't you say like you said with Brian? I think he did pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and then I went on and clarified a few things. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I'm just very clear that there are... When you're talking about this moral law, that that is eternal. There are certain laws that God gives to certain people at certain times that those things can change because they're not... They're not in regard to that. So, so I don't want somebody to take this and say, well, every law God ever gave at any time, that means every single person. That, that's very clearly not what scripture teaches. Um, but also it's assuming causality because everything we know, you know, is cause and effect. The, the 
and it, everything that begins has a cause, a beginner. And that's where people assume that they think of this, well, every effect has a cause and you take that back far enough, well, God must have had a cause. No, everything that begins has a beginner. Mm. God had no beginning, therefore he needs no beginner, if you can say it that way. No one needed to make God because he's always been. He is the one who made everything else. And, and that's hard for our finite minds to comprehend because everything we see around us has a beginning. But um, yeah, this world was created by an infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful creator. Hey, uh, we got to let some people go here, but I got to ask one more question and then give away a couple uh, copies of, of uh, Bodie's, or I mean, of uh, Brian's book. Well, he did it with Bodie Hodge, so Brian and Bodie's book. Uh, this one, this question didn't come with a name. I have a feeling it's from Amanda or Marlissa, but what color was Tim's hair? I just want to know that the question should not have been what color was Tim's hair. It's Tim, have you ever had hair? That's the real question, Tim. Yeah, you know, I you should have asked that ahead of time. I could have sent you a picture from like my freshman year of high school where I had a, I'm going to call it a baby mullet. You know, it got to <laughs> right down to about here. I could bring it all the way around and just touch like the corner of my mouth. Oh, that's um, disgusting. But then I buzzed it, and then I used then I had a flat top for like the next ten years before starting to buzz it again. And um, I've never had long hair since that time. So that's already been over thirty years. Yikes. Um, so what color? It was a like a light brown. Okay. Um, or a darker blonde, light brown, somewhere in between there. Um, yeah. Nice. All right. Well, um, <laughs> hey, partners, hang out with me because uh, I see a lot of your questions that are coming in the chat. I want to get to all of those. Um, for those of you that I got to let go right now, if you're watching on one of our Facebook pages or, pages or YouTube, I want you to know uh, we developed a website that searches all of the top Christian websites for answers. It's called Search creation.org. And you can go to searchcreation.org, ask any question you want there, if it's about science or the Bible, and I promise you a good answer. It's Google without the junk. It really is amazing. Searchcreation.org. And uh, that's just one of the resources we uh, provide to try to help you. Uh, if we don't have the answer, that's fine. We want you to get it from somewhere. And that's got 43 different websites that it searches, okay? So I want to give away uh, a couple copies of the book, Quick Answers to Tough Questions by Brian and by Bodie. Uh, this is sponsored by Master Books. I love Master Books. I love what they do. They've got an amazing homeschool curriculum. If you're not already familiar with it, they started it several years ago. And they're giving God the glory for everything, for all of education. It really is incredible. Masterbooks.com. Uh, this book is available at the bookstore, creationstore.org. Quick answers to tough questions. Um, Masaki from California, you're my buddy, man. You get this. Gary from Iowa, you're getting a copy of this. And Andrew from the United Kingdom, thanks for being a partner. You're getting a copy of this book. Uh, Lindsay Miller. Uh, Lindsay Miller Bromley from the Genesis Movie Facebook page, watching on our Genesis Movie page. You get this book. I need you to send an email to me, info at creationtoday.org, info, I-N-F-O, at creationtoday.org. And Lindsay, you get this. Uh, Barbara, uh, S-A-L-Y-E-R-S, Sailors, say Barbara from Illinois on the Creation Today Facebook page, you get this. And on YouTube, James P-O-N-A-K, Ponak from British Columbia. Man, thanks so much for hanging out, bud. Uh, you get a copy of this book. You guys all send us an email, info at creationtoday.org. And for the rest of you that didn't get this, 
social media is not always reliable. So let's make sure that we can keep in touch and sign up so that we can uh, stay in contact with you via email, creationtoday.org forward slash sign up, S-I-G-N-U-P, and you can, uh, you can join us. Uh, just want to make sure it's not always reliable. You never know what's going to happen, and we'd love to be able to stay in touch with you. Hey, now, hey, before I go, playing Oprah right there. You get a book, and you get a book, and you get a book. <laughs> uh, add that to the list, ladies, to to play that. All right, that sounds good. Uh, before I go, though, I do want to mention uh, those of you on our social media. As of today, there's only 66 days left in 2021. And we are challenging people doing a 100-day challenge. What are you doing with the rest of 2021 to impact eternity? And if you're not doing a whole lot, why not partner with Creation today? Allow us to reach more people together. You know, it's because of people like you, just normal people that partner with Creation today that actually allow us to reach the people in British Columbia and the people in the UK. And so if you consider a partnership with us, we'd be forever grateful. Uh, creationtoday.org forward slash partner, P-A-R-T-N-E-R. Uh, we'd love to partner with you. Hey, next week, I'm really excited because we're talking with Sean McDowell, how Gen Z sees the church, what's going on with the next generation, how are they viewing what's going on in the church. Going to be a fantastic conversation with all the research that Sean has done on Gen Z. I think you'll really appreciate it. And if you want to get a hold of Brian and Tim, uh, you need to just go to answersingenesis.org. There are articles, there are resources, there are blogs, uh, all available there, answersingenesis.org. So thank you guys for hanging out next week. Going to be fun. So I'll see you guys live at noon, Wednesday of next week. Creation Day partners. Oh man, there's a bunch of you. You guys hang out and you guys got a lot of questions. For example, Bob asked, are dinosaurs the result of an unholy union between angels? <laughs> 